2: and their essential
0: love of justice. Hi, welcome to the
3: Kudzu Vine for August 26, 2018. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Join me as always, welcome Catherine Smith.
0: Greetings from Atlanta. Sorry, I missed you last week. No problem.
3: And welcome, Tim Shiflett.
2: Good evening, sir.
3: All right, well, a huge week for politics um, that just kind of went on all week long, and we're going to talk a lot about that before and when our guest for tonight, Robin Biro, comes on the show in about 20 minutes. Um, But before that, something that, you know, we had expected would would be sometime soon. It happened, uh, I guess, yesterday. Uh, Senator John McCain of Arizona passed away. But he was much more than an Arizona politician, very much a national politician, um, that really is one of those figures that's actually respected across the aisle because of the way he handles himself. Not because of his positions on every issue, is something everybody agrees with. It's just the way he approaches many things um, brings him respect. Um, Catherine, what are some of your thoughts on the life and career of John McCain.
0: Well, you know, um, in many ways he was sorta of bigger than life. He was uh you know, had been a POW in Vietnam and um then came back and served the country well, I think he was first elected in nineteen eighty seven, is that right? And uh you know, served honorably and I think um a lot of people have a lot of respect for him. I think um You know, there were a lot. I watched the um, news shows this morning, and there were a lot of people on from both sides of the aisle talking, telling some really charming and um, uh, charming stories about their relationship with him and his sense of humor and his sense of um, the importance of government and um, respect for the his constituency. I, I. I think he was he was a great man and we I think you know as much as I probably disagreed with him on on an enormity of things um I had a great amount of respect for him some you know maybe some uh mistakes errors in judgment over the years but we all have them so uh I think he'll be missed he was a um big voice in the senate and uh one who you know, was willing, you know, a self-proclaimed maverick, which, uh, was, uh, helpful in these times. So I think we'll all miss him.
2: Yes, Tim, some of your thoughts. Um, country first, he, he certainly prescribed that, uh, it's, it is the passing of an era, as Catherine said, uh, Um, you wonder who will rise to replace these lines of the Senate that are passing from the scene like him and like Ted Kennedy. Interestingly enough, they died on the same day um, of the same disease. Uh, But but I wonder who's going to rise to replace these people. I, I used to believe that there would always be someone, but in this dark time, you know, you you, you wonder. Uh, but this was a man of honor, a, a decent public servant. Uh, I find it interesting that two men who defeated him in elections, uh, Bush 43 and Barack Obama, are both speaking at his funeral. I, I guess it— the same could be said of him that was said of Hubert Humphrey. He had no enemies, of uh, simply adversaries. Well, he almost didn't have any enemies. I noticed our president was not invited to the funeral, but uh, this soft-spoken man was a, a genuine war hero, um, and 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 he he was. Brave, both in the military and in the public arena. Uh, I don't believe he ever attempted to score partisan points, and of course his type's going to be missed. It's going to leave a great void.
3: Yeah, you you mentioned partisan points now. Two things, and I think we mentioned them on the show in the past. Uh, Two places where he actually I think gained a lot of stature as someone who's Willing to stand up for what's right and not what's just popular with his own party was when he ran in two thousand eight um, against Barack Obama at the convention. Um, people started to boo Barack Obama's name in a way that wasn't "boo, we disagree with his policies," but more the core of the person. He actually, you know, kind of stood up to the convention. I'm in mean, a lot of ways and was like, you know, the the election's too important, and we do disagree on the issues, but we don't need. We, he he's earned our respect by running, you know, for this office and and doing what he's done so far. And then later, probably the more famous scene is when the um, the lady accused Barack Obama of being an Arab, which really was made no sense because his heritage is Kenyan, which is not in uh, Arabia, the Middle East. And he took the ma- microphone and was like, "No, ma'am, he's a good man." We don't agree on a lot, of the, a lot of the issues, but he's a good man, um, and that's just not correct. And, and I think while well, while he gained so much esteem among you know maybe moderate swing voters and then people on the other side of the aisle, it seemed to have hurt him. And you know since that point, with Republican voters, where they had a poll recently in Arizona where he was actually more popular among Democrats and Independents than he was with Republicans. Um, Catherine do you think that helps Hurts or has no effect on his legacy The fact that he actually seem, Seemingly got more popular with the other side
0: uh, I, I guess I don't really um, Think it matters I mean I think his legacy Is really strong His, um, And if You know a poll taken Recently showed that He was more popular among Democrats. I think that's going to change as we um, remember him over the next week or so. I think everyone's going to recognize that he was a great American and uh, partisan politics doesn't have the same impact on a, a man's full life after he dies as it does when he's alive and running for office and serving as a politician. So I don't I mean, I just don't think
3: it matters. Yeah, I think you're right in the bigger scheme of things it shouldn't matter. But, of course, perception is I don't reality think it will matter. many times. But but hopefully, yeah, well, people will move on and they'll look at um, service in Vietnam and, and other things that weren't um, political issues when they look at the totality of his career. Uh, Tim, your
2: thoughts? You you guys got the thing I sent you that Kelly Ward said. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. He
2: absolutely said that he and his family timed that announcement of him stopping <laughs> cancer treatment in order to hurt her in the upcoming primary QC. And just a few hours later, the man died uh, about that poll. Uh, you know, uh, Trump's to blame for a lot of that. You know, he, him, him, and his bunch have taken over what used to be the Republican Party, and the Trump voters are are are, are just that way. And anyone who opposes Trump for any reason, well, then they are just the bitter enemy of the universe or something. And John McCain fell into that. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think he ever blinked about it. I don't think he ever thought about it. And Kelly Ward, of course, we we know that she's bumped her gums about some crazy stuff before. And uh, no, I don't believe uh, the man's legacy is going to be uh, tarnished in in any way. I read Faith of My Fathers and 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 what happened uh to him over there in Vietnam and stuff like that. No, that, that, that man that man's a man of honor. He he really was. He he served his country faithfully. He was a genuine war hero regardless of what that buffoon in the White House says. Um and 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 no, he he his his place in, in history is secure.
3: Yeah, and um just a little update on that, I guess. His seat will be filled by appointment. But um Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, said he won't fill it until after um the burial services, which seems very appropriate. Um to 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 wait at you know at least that long. Um and then Kelly Ward, you know, she ran against him and seems to have a um a um personal issue with John McCain and she's in a three way primary with uh, a more moderate candidate Martha McSally And um, a uh, another very conservative candidate showed Joe, Joe Arapah And that's actually to replace Jeff Flake's um, seat Which kind of brings me to the next thing That involves John McCain and Jeff Flake And really Bob Corker All these folks that In the Republican Party They were willing to actually stand up to Donald Trump And it's not a big long list of folks um, Jeff Flake will leave the Senate John McCain has left this earth. Um, The number – and then Bob Corker is going to leave the Senate. The number of folks are quite dwindling, and obviously John McCain had the strongest, loudest microphone of all these um, leaders. Uh, What's going to happen when there's no one to stand up to Donald Trump within the Republican Party, Kathleen?
0: Well, hopefully we'll have um, – we will have taken the House back and we'll have a stronger (laughs) – we'll have more leverage than we've had uh, the Democrats will. And so it won't be as imperative, hopefully. I mean, we're all hopeful about that. Um, I I don't, I think, you know, maybe some other voices will come forward. I'm not real confident about that, but maybe someone will find some uh, guts and step forward. I, I just, I don't know what will happen without those voices. Unless we hear from them, obviously not John McCain, unless we hear from them, you know, as former senators, they continue their um, criticism from outside of the Senate.
1: Yes.
3: T- Tim, uh, with John McCain being gone and others losing their influence, um, who's going to stand up to Trump within the Republican Party? And I do think it's very important that uh, a party, a lot of times, Is much better policing its own or more. It speaks more loudly when they do than when the other side does. And no one in that party other than a few um, folks are willing to do that.
2: Well, as we've seen historically, uh, Republicans eat their own generally after an electoral defeat. That's when we'll see people stand up to him if they take a beating uh, in the midterms. And they lose the house, and they either uh, don't gain what they thought they should have gained in the Senate, or they don't make any gains at all. They'll be glad to turn on Trump then, watch him do it, uh, just, like no, uh, just like they turned on Newt Gingrich uh, years ago, just like they turned on Bush uh, in the midterms in '06. Yeah, they'll be they'll be more than and happy to turn on him when it's not electorally advantageous for them to do to uh, stick with him. And that is the reason they're sticking with him right now. They are afraid afraid of his base voters. They're hoping that somehow he gins them up enough to limit their losses where they can maintain control of Congress. And that's the only reason that they haven't already done something about him. Uh, uh, and that, that, I, so I don't think you're going to see anything until the election on him, regardless. Yes.
3: Um, well, I mean, obviously, John McCain will be missed. And uh, this week, I think there will be a lot of um, – you'll hear a lot of dedications, different things. I know HBO had actually biography. On him, knowing that this was his final, uh, you know, months on the earth um, coming up. Uh, one more thing, I guess, to kind of round this out is right after he passed away, Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democratic Party in the Senate, um, proposed renaming the Senate bu- building for John McCain instead of former Georgia Senator um, Richard B. Russell, um, and. I haven't really heard a lot of comments other than Jeff Flake that supported it, and um, I think uh, Nancy Pelosi, which she's in the House, so I'm not sure you know if I, this may be more of a Senate thing than a House thing, if you will. Um, but uh, the leader of the opposition party calling for this, um, and of course you have it named if it was called the West Building or the East Building, you know something very generic. I think it'd be one thing, but given that it would be renaming from a former senator, uh, does make it a little um, trickier, if you will. Um, Catherine, your thoughts on that?
0: Oh, bring it on! I can't stand anything being named after Richard Russell, <laughs> so I'm I'm all for it, all for it. Well, I mean, well, I mean,
3: and I will say this: I think when the the movie "All the Way" or the play. I mean, he he really did not come off good in that uh, LBJ um, movie slash uh, play. I think it was a play first, then HBO made it into a movie. It really, I mean, did not do anything for his legacy. But as bad as he was on civil rights issues, I mean, he did, you know, he founded the school lunch program. So, I mean, he did have some good works. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I'm not saying that's what should honor you for building that one good work, but I mean, his, his legacy wasn't just one thing. Um, Tim, your thoughts?
2: Well, I don't know as far as far as Russell is concerned. It the it, it was named after him because of his great knowledge of the Senate uh, when Ted Kennedy got elected to the senate he asked his brother the president uh who who to talk to because he he didn't know anything and 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 the president quickly told him go to see dick russell there's no one that knows more about the senate than him lyndon johnson once said he would have been president but he was a champion of lost causes and that cause of course being uh uh, civil rights he was an ardent segregationist he did help lead the fight against the civil rights uh laws and uh he was a creature of the old south and and that's and that's the way they were and that doesn't excuse them or or anything it just that's just the way that they were uh but that that's why you know the building's named after him to, to start with, uh, but I wouldn't have any problem with it. He named Dr. John McCain because, uh, again, he was such a fine man that that would, that would be perfectly fine with me. So, like Catherine said, you yeah, it, <laughs> it
3: it is going to be an interesting situation in that um, Republicans, will they want to name a building after one of the members of their, their own party? If the Democrats are proposing it. So I think it could get um, quite interesting um, given the political dynamics of the thing, which may be something that is a discussion later on. But now we want to welcome in, and it's perfect timing because we hadn't gotten to the real news of the week um, or the the big news of the middle part of the week, not the weekend. Uh, we want to welcome um, Robin Biro. Welcome back, Robin.
1: Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Yes, uh, good to have you on. And I tell you, Robin, I think we've had you on, and you have been on – you're often on Fox News, Fox Business News. But I think I've read since you've been on the last time on the Kudzi Vine, you've added a few more television stations or other media sources that you've appeared on. What are some of those?
1: You know, It's still mostly all conservative media. I'm not sure why exactly that is. Maybe I'm just the the only former Obama campaign director who still agrees to go on those networks, but – I've done more than 500 appearances on Fox, but I've done CNN and Headline News a few times. uh, And but I'm a regular on Newsmax, which is of course very conservative, and uh, One American News Network and RT, which, you know, I still have trouble with RT. But (laughs) you
3: you are kind of like Daniel in the Lions Den. You are willing to go in there and fight the good fight uh, against anybody.
1: Veteran should, exactly Going Definitely behind enemy so. lines is how I like to see it <laughs> Yes Well
3: I'm going to kind of open up a question Before we get into that, those issues That have gone on Because I think Tim and Catherine may end up doing uh, A better job asking those questions I wanted to start off Because you are on all these conservative news sources In particular Fox um, Tuesday when this all went down And i got to set this up Catherine and Tim are blowing up my phone saying, Can you believe what's going on? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, we, we played volleyball games and they're like, What are you talking about? I'm like, that phone's been in my pocket. I've been doing stats for high school volleyball games I you know, coaching on the coaching staff. I've been
2: uh, watching yeah. the news.
3: They said, Well, you gotta find it. So I look on <laughs> and I look on to see uh, political wire, CNN, all these sources that I that honestly that I look to and trust and enjoy. But then I said, uh, anytime like something like this happens, I always go, "Well, I wonder what forty percent of America's seeing
2: uh, on <laughs> yes. Fox
3: News." And I look over there, and there's uh, there's the the young lady that um, was tragically murdered, and and it was terrible what mm-hmm. happened, and that person that did it is uh, cannot you know um, have enough vile thoughts thrown at him. But that was the lead story, and then. Even kind of crazier, it did mention something about what was going on Donald Trump, just a little bit of news there. And next right. to it, there's a hurricane in Hawaii, and the lady that's the co-host or two flipper-floppers had been – her flight yeah. was stranded in Hawaii. And so apparently this flipper-flop person's flight being stranded was equal news to what went down Tuesday. Um, so you're on Fox News, Fox Business News, all these things. Every day. How has the conservative media, especially initially, reacted to what had to be one of the biggest stories of the Trump presidency being a negative story?
1: I'm so glad that you asked. So I am on Fox every day uh, at least two times a day and sometimes up to five times a day. Uh, But this is the only week that I have not been on at all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. In my more than two years of doing this. Um, they did have me on uh, – I'll caveat this. I was on yesterday, but it was just to talk about something obscure, uh, basically midterm elections. Um, but yeah, they've kept me off the air all week. So I too wanted to see what they were covering, and you're right. they called It, it was very heavy on Molly Tibbetts, uh, her murder, which for any viewers, that was done by someone who was here on a work visa legally uh, who was working at a, a farm. Uh, that was owned by a prominent person in the GOP. So there's all sorts of interesting nuances to that story. But Fox is, of course, spinning it that this was an illegal alien, uh, and that was their more breaking story. So when the story broke, um, I, of course, subscribed to a bunch of different news sites and apps, uh, and I was, my phone was blowing up, like you said, with with notifications about the two uh, about Cohen and Manafort, and Fox's was incongruent with everyone else's because Fox said that the judge had declared a mistrial on 10 counts in the Manafort case. case. And that's all it said. It didn't say that, that he'd been found guilty of eight. Uh, one of all the other ones were very fairly reporting the truth that he'd been con- become, uh, found guilty on eight and um, the judge declared a mistrial on the 10. So Fox was definitely you know trying to spin that just as, as something positive. As the president later picked up, by saying that uh, Manafort was exonerated of of the majority of the charges, uh, which was just because of one lone juror who held out. Uh, All of the other jurors, some of whom were ardent Trump supporters, had uh, found him guilty on all 18 counts. But the reason we had eight was because of one rogue juror. Um, So Fox has done a good job. So they they covered heavy on Molly Tibbetts. This week they've been talking a lot about the economy and markets, uh, I was booked. I had been booked on other shows. Uh, sometimes we book these, you know, a week or more in advance. So I had bookings that were canceled because they told me that they were going to be covering extensively the economy and markets. Uh, so basically, Fox is trying to—it's a propaganda machine—and they're covering the markets to pro- try to try and make the parallel argument that Donald Trump is good for the economy, uh, and that's what the um, the uh, host, of the show that I was on yesterday, was basically making the point that uh, trying to say that the economy was set on fire by Trump, and I correctly uh, reported that you know the economy was. We had 72 straight months of economic growth under President Obama, and that this was just continuing in an upward trend. And it's been not at a huge increase since Donald Trump took the presidency. It's just been continuously going up um, as. And unemployment has also been going down at the same rate, um, and that it's just continuing the trend that we saw under Obama. So you know, whether or not that's attributable to Donald Trump I think is irrelevant. Um, I will say that we had a reporter at Fox News this week quit, uh, Adam Housley, quit Fox News uh, and made a statement that he can no longer in good conscience work there because – The network pushes out too much propaganda and that they've increased the number of talking heads like me and that it's difficult to get real reporting out there. And so he has a passion for his job. So Mr. Housley quit Fox this week, which was was a story that didn't really pick much traction up, but was interesting to me. Um, So and then Fox has also been, of course, focused on. Whether or not Jeff Sessions should be fired, uh, they've been pushing that story heavily probably to try and – I think they like to play some mental gymnastics with the president to try and uh, push the needle a little bit on on where things are politically. So I think Fox is trying to kind of get in his head a little bit there about firing Jeff Sessions, and they've been focused uh, extensively over the last few days on the topic of witnesses flipping in the FBI and DOJ. Uh, and whether or not that should be made illegal. But that's one of the predominant ways that we get witnesses to cooperate with uh, federal investigations. So it's been interesting to sort of watch how Fox has been spinning it and trying to obfuscate all of this. Um, But I'm due to be on the air again tomorrow. We'll see if that actually comes to to pass. Yeah,
3: otherwise you're going to have to bone up on watching Flip and Flop and um, (laughs) uh, flight Uh, time schedule. Well, well, kind of of adding on to that um, is I think about the viewers, and I'll kind of do a a sports analogy. And about two Sundays from now, the NFL season is going to kick off. And Mm -hmm. if at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock when all the games had happened, I turned on a sports network, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports 1, uh, NFL Network, hopefully NFL Network will be doing this, but you know, some of the general sports nor- 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 networks after the games, and they were covering bowling, darts, and cricket I turned to another <laughs> channel so my question to I you know. is is do the people do the conservative voters of America know what was really going on, to know to switch, and have we gotten any indications that maybe some of the ratings were affected, because they were like, well these guys aren't covering the news, uh, so I yeah. gotta switch over, or even page views. I gotta look at another news source. Just even if I don't agree with Democratic politics, I gotta at least find out what's going on because they're covering what's going you on, know weather oh. problems in in Hawaii equally.
1: Yes, uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Fox is still rated as the number one uh, Nielsen-rated cable news network, um, which is concerning because just like my My reporter friend uh, said that it 's a propaganda machine, uh, and as we saw this week i i've their ratings are still really high they're they're still in the lead um, but you know i it's, this is where social media comes into play i I posted actually the screenshot of my home screen on my phone that showed uh, all the other news sources reporting the truth, and then Fox just saying that Manafort was um, uh, exonerated of the the ten charges uh, and that that was shared over ten thousand times uh, so i 'm glad that you know that that basically social media Facebook, and Twitter can kind of do the job and reddit of of filling in where maybe the fox news viewers aren't getting the information um, i don 't think that they would turn to CNN or certainly not MSNBC uh, because the president has, of, of course, as you know, done a war on the media, that, that the media is the enemy. Um, but I think that these people are at least getting the truth from their coworkers, their friends, uh, and other people who are sharing hopefully on social media. Um, but if they stay only in their bubbles, they're not going to know the truth. They, they won't know what's actually happening in the world um, outside of the the worldview that Fox uh, and News Corp tries to paint. Yes,
3: and I, I've, I've, I've this is a frequent topic with me because I'm a firm believer. If the people got you know more truly fair and balanced news to to quote a news source or a spin on it, right. I think that you would end up with a lot less Donald Trumps uh, because people are just and, getting mm-hmm. totally
1: biased information. It's interesting that you say that uh, Fox actually dropped that moniker of fair and balanced uh, and and now their their new uh, mantra is um, trusted America's most trusted news source, uh, so they dropped <laughs> fair and balanced because I think everyone knew that just was laughable um, but uh, you know as far as trusted goes, only among the conservatives who use that as their only source of of media, which is concerning, and I agree with you that you know, I'm, I'm just concerned these people aren't getting the, the full truth. I don't think that they understand exactly what's happening. I'm kind of concerned for, you know, I'm as a veteran, I've got friends who are, are Trump supporters, and I'm concerned that they that they are ill prepared for what's coming. Um, so I'm kind of concerned that that they're just going to have the rug yanked out from under them, and they won't know what hit them. Uh, I think it's important for anybody to kind of be prepared for what's what we all see coming down the pipeline here. Just for their own mental well-being, so I'm kind of, you know, legitimately concerned for these Trump supporters that will have no idea what hit them when it hit.
3: Yes, it's kind of like if you um, looked in the mirror every day and it was one of those spinning mirrors, and then you stepped on the, was like, where did that number come from? Um, You'd be confused. Um, yeah, well, um, Tim and Catherine, and I usually take some of the big topics and leave y'all with the tight <laughs> angle on this to give y'all the, the real meat of these uh, issues from Tuesday. Uh, Tim, your question's for Robin.
2: Uh, good evening, Mr. Bureau. Thank you for being hey, with Tim. us again. I wanted to um, expand a little bit on what you said about veterans. Uh, well, the passing of uh, John McCain, among other things, he – an advocate for veterans is gone from the Senate, a very strong advocate for veterans. As a veteran yourself, how concerned are you about veterans' rights and benefits with this administration and this Congress?
1: I'm deeply concerned because of who Donald Trump has put in place uh, of veterans. We've had, uh, of course, the the person that he put in place to to lead the VA – uh, left uh and we've there's been a lot of trouble uh with the v a and with john McCain gone that leaves us basically with Lindsey Graham, who's another big advocate for veterans' rights uh, mm-hmm. and uh so but you know i'm i'm concerned about with with john McCain gone uh, I'm deeply concerned about veterans' rights and i i just i'm worried that so many people are, are beholden to Donald Trump, just regardless of what he does. And, you know, he cut that program for, for homeless veterans, and 130 homeless veterans were put on the street. Uh, and I was shocked that that didn't catch more news uh, than it did. And that was very early on in his administration. Uh, so, you know, at least we had John McCain calling that out and kind of having a check on the administration. Um, and then we've seen this week that Lindsey Graham kind of walked back some of his comments regarding Jeff Sessions. Uh, so mm-hmm. like, Lindsey Graham at one point had been a check on the administration but and then said that there will be, quote, to quote him, hell to pay if he were to fire Jeff Sessions. And then this week basically made a nuance that if if the president doesn't have faith in Jeff Sessions, that he should should go ahead and fire him. So I think mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham is more looking out for his own self right now because he probably realizes that Republicans that aren't just uh, Donald Trump's lapdog are not winning elections or re-elections, and he's up for re-elections. So I'm, I'm very concerned, Tim.
2: Hmm. Well, looking forward to that election, uh, the, the the midterms coming up this year, the, the, there's been a lot of back and forth very recently, especially considering the news of the week. Um, Uh, A lot of back and forth by many in the Democratic Party on the use of the word impeachment during the midterm. So I got two questions for you there.
1: Yeah. Should
2: Democrats be talking about impeachment during this campaign? And the second question is, should Republicans try to drive up turnout by using uh, some sort of save the president terminology?
1: Yes, uh, Republicans – you just painted exactly what's happening. So the leadership of the DNC, um, I'm good friends with Jamie Harrison, um, former chair of the South Carolina Democratic Party, who is now associate chair of the DNC. Uh, And I reached out to Jamie this week uh, to find out what they were talking about at the summer meeting of the DNC that was just held over the weekend. Uh, So basically the message from Democratic leadership is to stay away from all talk of impeachment and immigration because they're worried that it uh, will just drive out turnout for the g o p uh so they're you know it's kind of a catch twenty two if we talk about impeachment, we're going to draw out more Democrat voters, but if we talk about impeachment, we're going to draw out probably more Republican voters who would otherwise have stayed home so I think honestly it's a good strategy to to not talk impeachment, hardly anyone is uh because the Republicans are already doing a good enough job of painting that if Democrats get elected, that impeachment proceedings will begin, and make no mistake mm-hmm. they will if we if we take the house, uh, which you know everyone seems to think that we will i don 't want to ever count my chickens before they hatch, but uh, you know I, I think impeachment's definitely going to be coming there are more than enough impeachable offenses that this president has made. Uh, So I think it's coming, but uh, that's all I got on that, Tim.
2: Okay. Um, Well, one more question about the midterms, and then I'm going to throw it over to Catherine, who I assume is going to talk to you about what all happened, uh, especially this past Tuesday. I'm going to give my age away a little bit. I started my political activity in the late 60s. And all okay. that time, I don't recall ever seeing Democratic voters this angry before. Do you personally recall anything like this from Democrats, especially before
1: a midterm election? <laughs> never, never, Tim. I have never seen anything like this. Um, what's concerning to me, though, is that we're still lacking really hardcore with voters aged 24 and under, so 18 to 24, uh, only uh, – I think 27 percent said that they were going to be voting in the midterms. So uh, Uh versus people aged 74 and up, the uh, 78 percent of them responded that they would be voting. So we've got to do a better job of getting a message that will engage the younger voters because we've got to turn those people out if we're going to take the House. Uh, We have a very Mm -hmm. narrow Almost impossibly narrow road to retake the Senate, just mathematically. Uh, but it's possible, mm-hmm. but we've got to turn out those people. Um, to answer your question, no, I have never seen Democrats th- this angry. You know, I remember myself um, in George W. Bush's administration being so angry with so many things that were happening uh, at that time. And now, I would gladly trade George W. Bush for Donald Trump any day that we he, <laughs> yeah, he almost too. looks like a competent president, and the fact that 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 i 'm even saying that just you know I never would have even imagined back then that we could have had somebody more incompetent than than George W. Bush, but here we are, so I do hope that we can just find a message that will resonate with the younger voters because that's that 's the key, Tim. Um. Absolutely,
2: and with that, I'm going to send it to Catherine. Take it away, Catherine.
0: Hey, Robin. It's nice to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Catherine. Were you
0: at, at, were you at the convention yesterday?
1: No, I was on TV, but I uh, I, oh. I saw a lot of footage. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I wish I, I had been you,
0: there. There were a yeah. lot of people there, but I and I just wondered if I know. If I, I, just, feel, I
1: enjoyed seeing all the posts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to. I want to go back to one thing that can't remember what it was. Well, okay, never mind. Maybe I'll think of it. But so Cohen Manafort. (laughs) No, it was something before, but but anyway, Um, so Cohen and Manafort. (laughs) What do you think? um, You know, we had this discussion on on uh, text over the week. Um, Which of these um, convictions, please, do you think has a bigger impact on uh, sort of in general? Is it the uh, Manafort conviction or the Cohen
1: uh, plea deal? Plea. Yeah.
0: What do you think uh,
1: it's, is? It's uh, you know it's going to be interesting. Um, Cohen, the special counsel has already said that they're not interested in speaking to him, uh, which was astonishing because he would offered through his attorney. You saw the footage, I'm sure. Of Cohen's attorney offering that they had evidence of Russian collusion and they wanted to speak to the special counsel. So the fact that that the special counsel doesn't want to speak with him is interesting because the mountain of evidence that they must already have must be so substantial uh, that they don't need to call Cohen in because his testimony would be questionable because – of the the plea deal, uh, so and that could t- could tarnish the investigation, so I would be more inclined to say that Manafort's conviction carries more uh, more importance and weight than than the Cohen plea does for that reason that if Bob Mueller is not wanting to speak to Cohen, uh, I think that what we have with Manafort carries more weight because we may still get a flip out of him as he's facing the uh, next phase of his prosecution and possibly facing being retried on those 10 counts that uh, the judge declared a mistrial on Catherine.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I think. I think that um, a plea deal has a um, has a, a, a tinge on it. You know what I mean? It's like well, he didn't really get sick. Uh, people
1: it. are some he, jurors or whereas, suspicious of plea deals.
0: Right, whereas I think this Manafort, you know, he was found guilty by a jury. And yes. um, I, I, somehow I think that our ordinary uh, citizen sees that as a more, um, sub, to use your word, substantial um, action. Yes, and, and Donald Trump to himself.
1: Yeah, Donald Trump himself has been saying this week, uh, has been trying to push the narrative that Cohen, you know, you heard him say that he thought that Cohen pled guilty to charges that uh, weren't even a crime and that, that people <laughs> would, would flip and say whatever they could to save their own butts, basically. So, you know, I agree that Manafort, you know, Donald Trump sees Manafort as somebody who is loyal. He tried to unfairly influence the um, judicial process. And, and basically witness tampering by, by publicly praising Manafort for not flipping. Um, so that, that has some serious consequences for him, for Donald Trump going forward, because that was basically witness tampering in an open public forum. Uh, so it's kind of like the Nixon tapes, only on you know, a public stage, and we're all watching this unfold publicly across the entire world with donald trump tweeting out and and further incriminating himself every single day katherine
0: yeah well and that brings brings us to the obvious question that i think we're all wondering about and it hasn't really been discussed all that much but do you think that um donald trump might uh pardon paul manafort
1: uh, yes, I do because Donald Trump is a pathological narcissist, and uh, Paul Manafort has been very loyal, and Donald Trump, of course, values loyalty and rewards it as we're we're all well aware of. Uh, it would have serious political consequences for him when he does. I'm not even going to say if because I firmly believe that he's going to try and, and pardon Manafort, but Manafort will be will be facing charges that are state charges, which of course the president has no authority to issue a pardon over. Um, so uh, it's just it's just a mess. It's a complete mess. And I think though going forward, uh, as you know, I think Paul Manafort has all of his eggs in that one basket with thinking that if he stays loyal to the president, he'll eventually get a pardon. But as he's facing state charges and facing a possible retrial of those 10 counts and facing a a trial in DC, uh, I think that there's still potential for him to still flip on the president. uh, And that would be devastating for Donald Trump.
0: I remembered what I wanted to ask you about. It was about Fox news viewers. Okay. Um, I I absolutely agree that um, those people who, uh live on a you know pure diet of Fox News are not well <laughs> informed about everything that's going on in the world. I don't I don't disagree with that. But you know, it's all about um what we choose to see. You know, I probably yeah. you know I, I I never watch Fox News. I occasionally listen to seventy seven fifty AM just to hear what they're talking about, but very occasionally I mostly watch A B C and MSNBC. Anyway, right that's my choice that's what i i, I mean i I think we self filter what we want to hear, and I just wonder if um you know fox News listeners and and viewers you know they don't really care about this Manafort Cohen it doesn't really you know we're all interested it's very uh, but i I wonder if they're like, yeah, we know Donald Trump isn't perfect, we know he surrounds himself with gangsters and 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 but and, yeah yeah we we know all that about him but the economy is strong and they, for whatever and they believe that that's his and he's trying to you know solve immigration he's gonna says he's gonna build a wall I just I mean I'm not I'm not denying that it's, I agree with David that um, uh, informed public is is good and probably wouldn't elect Donald Trump but I'm I'm not so sure that they would change the channel. That they wouldn't change the channel if it was all about Cohen and Manafort. They'd be like, "Okay, I'm just going to go watch, you know, whatever Naked and Afraid or whatever it is." Yeah, know, HGTV <laughs> hoarders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I agree. I
1: don't. I don't see them. Them. Pretty much, you nailed it, Catherine. That they 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 hear what they want to hear. Uh, I'll point out that Donald Trump's approval ratings were unchanged this week. They were just released, I believe, this morning, uh, and They actually did not change at all, despite this being what many would argue is the worst week of his presidency. Uh, So, you know, his core really doesn't care. Uh, They don't, I don't think that it makes much of a difference. And they're going to stick with him regardless because he still gives them the propaganda that they want to hear. Uh, And, you know, the hate for Obama and Hillary Clinton from those viewers is still so strong that as long as these conservative networks every so often drop a piece about Hillary Clinton and Fusion GPS um, or her emails or try to paint some weird thing about Obama, you know their attentions will perk up, and they'll be enraged again and keep watching. And that's basically how it works, and that's what drives the ratings. And every time I'm on it's always about the whataboutism. If I if I corner them and have them in, backed into a corner on a topic, usually they come back with, well, what about Hillary's emails uh, or that Hillary and the Fusion GPS? So that's kind of how it goes. It's, it's something I've grown accustomed to. I'm very used to calling out whataboutism, uh, and the fact that we're almost two years since the election is jaw-dropping that they're still bringing Hillary Clinton and – Saying, you know, well, thank God it could have been Hillary Clinton that won the presidency. So, you know, I'd, ra- I'd rather be stuck with Donald Trump than her is basically the narrative that, that we get all the, all the time, Catherine.
0: Well, I want to just re- – I just want to tell everyone a, a, a brief little note about the convention yesterday. We were very lucky. We had three congressmen who addressed the crowd, and one of them was Congressman Hank Johnson from the Georgia fourth 4th uh, District. And uh, he, he was actually, you know, he can be very funny in a very yeah. uh, Buddhist way. And uh, he started saying something about Trump, and the entire crowd started shouting, lock him up. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so loud, and and it just kept going. I mean, he couldn't get a word in edgewise for, you know, what uh, you know probably 45 seconds or something. But I just thought, I, I was sitting there thinking, this is great, you know, this is uh, so ironic that here we are, uh, lock locking up. So I, I thought that was And fun. you know, now on, that note, Catherine.
1: on that note, Catherine, I'd like to say that we could almost hijack Make America Great Again as our own uh, campaign <laughs> slogan now because it would right. actually fit our current circumstances.
0: <laughs> um, and now back to David. Thanks, Robin. Sure thing, Catherine. Yes. Well, Robin,
3: uh, I want to thank you for coming on. And you just uh, covered a myriad of topics and probably kind of a little out of the order you expected. Um, we know – it sounds like we can turn almost any news channel practically, and you'll be there. Um, but then if anybody wanted to read you online or find you online, tell some folks some ways they can do that.
1: Oh, uh, just search for Robin Biro, B-I-R-O, on Twitter, Instagram. It's the same. Every, every social platform the same. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Robin Biro, Instagram Robin Byro, Twitter, all the same. Uh, so feel free. I'm, I, I pr- try to respond to everybody. So uh, if anyone's got any tips, feel free to send them. <laughs> I'll get them on the air. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again. Thank you guys for the work that you Thank do. Thank you, Mr. Byro. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Yes, Robin Byro of Fox News and Fox Business News a lot, but when we found out, he's he's everywhere. Um, uh, Stations I probably don't even get on some of the news uh, on my cable package or hadn't sought out uh, for any reason. Um, Hadn't really sought out the Russian news network, which I I do have to wonder uh, why they're even on American cable systems, but that's another topic for another time. Um, Well, Catherine, you kind of alluded a little bit to the uh, Democratic Party of Georgia's uh, convention. Um, I know a lot of it probably was focused on the governor's race because that's really what the, you know the number one DPG thing. Just give us a little recap of that convention.
0: Well, you know, it was a typical convention. We had some, you know, uh, rules and credentials and reports from various committees that we had to approve and and you know talk about. Well, I wouldn't we talk much about them. Um, it was really great. There were a lot of um, a lot of people there that we love to see. We heard from Jason Carter. Shirley Franklin was the, um, convention chair. I guess that's what they call her. So she was great. You know, she's always, um, so authentic and, um, charming and she kept the crowd in, um, in check when we had to like do something and then come back. We, we always came back in time. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to make Shirley Franklin mad. (laughs) And, uh, we heard from John Congressman John Lewis, Congressman uh Hank Johnson and who was the third one? I'll remember. And then we heard from all Sanford the congressional candidates who are, Yeah, Sanford Bishop. And we heard from all the congressional candidates who are running. Um that was quite a um quite a diverse uh group of people and they were all very well spoken and excited about their elections. Um And then, you know, of course, we heard from the usual, uh, from DeBose Porter and Kima Williams, um, the chair and vice chair of the party. And uh, there were a lot of people there. Um, The delegates were, of course, up front like usual. And since I live in the 5th District, it's always nice to live in the 5th District because we always get to be up front. (laughs) So that was nice. Um, And then there were a lot of guests. Uh, I mean, at least as many guests as there were delegates. So that made me um, in th- that that made me enthusiastic about the um, the upcoming elections. I think people are really engaged. Um, uh, Jason Carter said he'd never seen this level of engagement in um, in an election year, and he thought that our ticket was really strong. Um, he reported that his grandparents are doing well, and his father's his grandfather's about to be, I think, ninety four, and they're going to build a house for Habitat for Humanity next week. So. I guess they're doing fine, but it was all in all in all. It was a great pep rally, you know. Debose Porter's really good at um, revving up the crowd. We did a big wave, you know, because it's the blue wave, you know. That was, um, but it was it was um, I thought rejuvenating, and um, you know, there wasn't really a lot of um, work to do. It was mostly, you know, a pep rally. I did not stay. To hear um, the top of the ticket candidates, I've heard Sarah Miko, and I've heard those people many times. And I had been there for many hours already, and I thought, okay, this is a, Congressman Lewis is a good time to uh, peace out. So, but I thought it was good. Everybody was very in the game. Yes, and
3: I actually got a little coverage. I noticed on the AJC, and I'm sure other media sources. Around the state, because that's one thing you want to get out. Because obviously, the folks in the room, if they're not voting Democratic, you're in trouble, or if it was a Republican convention voting Republican. Uh, So, you got to get some coverage to where um, it actually penetrates to to people that are not hardcore supporters. Um, Well, I guess we got just a little more time. Let's stay in Georgia quickly, even though there's probably plenty of stuff we're not going to get to. And This past week, the Georgia Secretary of of State's election site was blocked outside of the United States. And obviously, most people in other countries really aren't going to miss it. Um, You know, I don't go look at the Alstonian voting website or the uh, Australian voting website, but I guess some expats, that might be an issue. Um, But by and large, it just signals a real security issue um with Georgia elections, and Brian Kemp is the current secretary of state in charge of that um through January, whether he wins or not in january- or November he's in charge of it, and he seems to be having major issues.
2: Tim, what was your reaction to this? thought it rather amusing to be honest with you uh uh what what are they saying? The Russians are trying to hack uh I I, I didn't think a lot of those Republicans thought that was a big problem. Did y'all? Uh, but, uh, they are blocking computers from outside of this country from, uh, viewing the voter registration websites, uh, uh, citing security concerns. Uh, they, they removed them based on advice from private security vendors, uh, but uh, you, you know, I do also find uh, find it interesting that some of the states are making these moves, and the the federal government's up there twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing. If y'all notice that, yes, There's
3: no, yeah, no real, yeah. Um, Catherine, your your thoughts on um, what's going on with our well, election cycle, Georgia?
0: Well, I. <laughs> I mean, I think it's eyewash, honestly. I mean, are, are, do we really think <laughs> that? Do we really think that these expert hackers are going to be stopped by something like this? I don't know. I, I mean, I think no, there's. I mean, I, yeah. it just seems like, oh yeah, they told us we should do this, and this is, you know, we'll make a big press release about it. But I just feel like, you know, it doesn't really stop a you know this level of hacking but i could be wrong i mean i'm not a i'm not a hacker i don't know how that works but it seems it seems like yeah so when you're in if you're on vacation in italy you can't check your voter registration well okay that's not something i've ever wanted to do but yeah guys do you think do you think that that may be uh
2: Because Brian Kemp had been getting some negative press uh, 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 about the security of our voting system in Georgia that that this convenient announcement came forward.
0: That would not surprise me at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I don't think
3: it works. I think it's kind of like if you announced you're cleaning up the, the nuclear waste spill. Well, how did the nuclear waste get spilled? Um, because, you know, either it is uh, 50 states, ours has the worst security, bad on Brian Kemp, or the Russians are trying to, you know, break into our elections, and we got a man in the White House that you want to be the Georgia version of, and um, bad on Donald Trump and you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so yeah. th- there's no good way to spin this, and I really do believe yeah. this election, are one of the things, I mean, obviously turnout is going to be huge. But it's going to boil down to that. Um, and we're seeing the tactics, uh, particularly on the other side. It's going to be is uh, Brian Kemp competent to manage offices? If he's mismanaged the Secretary of State's office, how is he going to manage the entire Georgia government? That's what Stacey Abrams and the Democratic Party have to do. And I'm seeing that Brian Kemp is on the other side, is saying every time any issue comes up that is going to you know, spend one penny. He talks about her financial issues in the past. Um,
2: so it's mm-hmm. going to be
3: that back and forth. Which one can make that charge stick better? Could, you know, move 10, 100,000 votes, you know, not not a big chunk of the electorate, but if the race gets super close, whoever can move that? Or can you disaffect the other side to where, you know, if, if particularly Republicans are disaffected because of, what's going on at the national level, and then this guy looks pretty incompetent, they're even less likely to come out to vote, uh, and then it's maybe not a one-for-one, one, but it's uh, just a, not not a vote for him. Uh, I think that's going to be a big key is who can um, play that um, negative versus negative better, if you will, or charge versus charge. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Georgia governor's race, national politics, because we know Donald Trump, like it or not, is the star of our show often with whatever he does (laughs) in the news. And I'm sure a lot of what we found out this week um, will have a lot of fallout. So until then, been the Cudsey Vine. Good night. Good night, y'all. Bye.
0: We are the heirs of that first revolution with a strong and
1: united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world. America
2: has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history.
0: We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense.